Take your Bible tonight, go to Philippians in chapter number two. Philippians in chapter number two. We'll continue our series here this evening, uh, Countered by Joy. The circumstances of life when we're under Christ's authority will be countered by joy. And we're especially going to see that tonight in the text that we're going to look at. So, sorry, Philippians, almost said Ephesians, but Philippians chapter two. And let's read uh, verse one of the chapter um, in Philippians 2. That'll help us uh, catch a little bit of the context. He's exhorting the church. Really, it's a unit that begins in chapter 1 and verse 27 to let their conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. In other words, the fact that you're saved ought to have an impact on the way that you live your daily life. And it ought to create unity within a church family and that we ought to be striving together for the faith of the gospel. So that, I mean, he's still on that, he's still on that, that idea there. And so we're going to pick back up with that. And he says in verse one, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, and obviously there is, if any comfort of love, and there is, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy, Paul says, that ye be what? Like-minded, like-minded. We need that in our church, don't we? To be like-minded, to be caring one to another, you know? And, and uh, I don't know of any big, big major strife that's going on in the church, I, I would just say that we need to get to know each other a little bit better, you know, and, and uh, that would be a hindrance to unity is just that you just don't know people. Well, you, you can't be unified if you don't know them, right? So you need, we need to work at knowing one another, being like-minded. And even if there was just one situation where there was some strife here in the church, that'd be one too many, be one too many. May God help us to be unified, he says, like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Evidently, God doesn't want cliques in churches, right? You can have friendships in churches, just not cliques, right? All right, we're off to a great start here tonight. This is good. I can feel it. The energy's building. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. He says, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. If we could just practice that one verse, that would revolutionize relationships right there. Just think of others, not yourself. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, and he begins to describe how that he, he went to the ultimate uh, effort and obedience to God's plan, the Father's plan, giving his very life on the cross. Well, beloved, if he went that far in obedience, how much more should we be willing to, to do whatever it takes to have right kind of relationship within the church? See, Paul is making that point, following the example of Christ. All right, let's pick up a reading now in verse 12. Verse 12, same chapter, wherefore, wherefore, so following that example, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. I believe if Paul was there, they would have immediately have done what he was calling on them to do. But obedience should not be contingent on who's there. It ought to be just obedience because it's right to do, right? Regardless of who's around to see it. And then we covered this verse last week or last time we were in uh, Philippians. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God which worketh in you. I like this verse. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Right? It's God that's working in you. You're saved tonight. God's working in you to will and do of his good pleasure 
Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That's our verse tonight. You say, I don't like it. Well, <laughs> evidently you need it. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Why? Why? That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a, how about this, crooked and perverse nation. Is that right? Generation, Paul said even the time he was living in the, and where the Philippians were living, it was a crooked and perverse nation. I wonder what he'd say about the United States of America. I think he'd say the same thing. We're living in a crooked and perverse nation among whom, notice this now, uh, we're not to be so separated from the world. We have no contact with the world. He says, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, the word that gives life, that's the idea, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that'd be uh, when he comes again and then we stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ, that I may rejoice there. Paul says that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. In other words, he's basically saying this, hey, we are in this together. We're in this together. Tonight, uh, the title of the message is this, Cheerfully Together as a Church. Cheerfully Together as a Church. You can be cheerfully in church. All right? You can be cheerful in church. You can be in church and happy at the same time. All right. If you're not convinced of that, it's going to be a longer sermon. Oh, man, look how happy everybody got right there. That's good. I like it. Cheerfully Together as a church. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. Let's give attention to this. It'll help us. Most likely that verse, do all things without murmuring and disputings, has been used um, about chores, right? Parents maybe use it with their kids. Do all things without murmuring and disputings, right? And that's true. It's true. You ought, you ought not to murmur, you know, and complain and grumble about what you've got to do by way of chores. It certainly has been used with regard to homework. Do all things without murmuring and disputings. Uh, you know, my mom tried to help me there. She really did. She, she would say things like this. You know, with as much time as you spent complaining about this, has anybody else heard this speech? I don't know if it's like a parental speech. Okay, with as much time as you have spent complaining about this, you'd be done by now. So anyways, yeah. thanks mom, right? That's true. Or maybe uh, complaining about having to eat your vegetables. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, man, it's a, but now yeah, I like them. <laughs> At the time, maybe you didn't. So we use that verse often there, but really, what we don't need to get away from is the context of these verses that began, well, all the way back, really, we can make a case that Paul is making the case for unity from verse one of chapter one. Uh, he's concerned about this church that at one time was very unified. I mean, they, they were experiencing unity. I, I read today and, you know, in studying a few illustrations about unity and such, and I read about a, 
a middle institution that just had about maybe three guards for a very large number of mental patients. And somebody asked him, aren't you concerned that there might be an uprising, that, that, that these individuals would come together and there's only three of you on a floor with, you know, I don't remember the number, 100 to 200 uh, that are there. They, say, they said this, no, mental patients are, uh, mental patients don't unite. They don't unite. They, 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 uh, they just don't come together. So it would be insane for us. Sorry, pardon the pun. It would be insane for us not to unite around such a great savior and such a great word. It makes sense for us to be united. One of my favorite quotes by uh, A.W. Tozer is this. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? 100 pianos tuned to the same tuning instrument, same fork, are automatically tuned to one another. How about that? We have two pianos here and we have a gentleman that comes in to tune these pianos. Well, he doesn't tune this piano by that piano, he tunes both of them by a standard. Okay. And then if he tunes both of them, watch this now, by the same standard, then they are in tune with one another. All right, so what need, how do we have church unity? I mean, we have so many varying opinions here, so many ideas about church, so many ideas about life, so many, I mean, just backgrounds and, and expectations and all those things. How can a church this size, hey, by the way, you don't, you don't have to have a church of a large size to experience disunity. You can have a church of three and experience disunity. You can have a church of two and experience disunity because all you got to have to have disunity and a little bit of drama is an expectation that has not been met. And you'll have some disunity there. And, and so how do we have a church of whatever size? But since we're here considering uh, Southwest Baptist Church and our role in it, how can we have a church this size and our lives be in tune with one another? Do you believe they're supposed to be? That we're supposed to be in tune with one another? Uh, then how, how can we be in tune with one another? How can people that, that root for OU be in tune with people that root for OSU or people that root for OU be in tune with people that root for Texas? How can these things happen? How can Cardinal fans and Cub fans work on the same church staff? Not very easily, to be very honest about it, but how does this happen? How, does, how can it happen? Well, we've got to be tuned to the same standard. And if we're all tuned to the same standard, the Lord Jesus Christ, then suddenly we're in tune with one another. That's how it works. Mr. Tozer had it right. Listen to what else he said. He said, they are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but listen to this, to another standard to which each one must individually bow. Every individual must bow to that standard. Again, the emphasis is on Christ. He, for him to be our standard, what a standard. And, and really, church, none of us, given his wisdom, his love, and everything else about him, none of us should have any qualms about bowing to him. 
And, and really, that's why uh, churches can't be unified around one personality, whether it's the pastor or some other charismatic uh, leader, because that, that individual is not a perfect individual, whether it is your pastor or somebody else. And, and then that, that individual is only there for a certain amount of time because of the way life goes, whether God moves them on or they get out of the ministry or their age uh, gets the best of them like it will happen to all of us, right? But if Jesus is the one that we center our life around, regardless who the pastor is, there will be unity. So key. So key. Uh, so he goes on. 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they possibly could be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God and strive for closer fellowship. You get what he's saying there? If we made unity our goal, if we said, all right, we're going to be the most unified church in town and we're going to work real hard at unity and we got our eyes off of Christ trying to be a unified church, suddenly we would not be unified. Because invariably there's going to be something that I don't like that you have an idea about or vice versa. But as long as we're all bowing the knee to Christ, he unites us together. Okay. Unity, unity. Uh, biblical unity. So I believe it's safe to say, though not drastic, the church in Philippi was out of tune. Out of tune with each other because somewhere they were out of tune with the Lord. Uh, the church is designed by Christ, he being the head of the church, the church is designed by him to be a joyful, cheerful assembly. But Paul was hearing some sour notes. <laughs> Somebody was off. Somebody was off. Some bodies were off. More than one. Grumbling evidently was taking place amongst the members. Arguing was taking place amongst the members. And here's what was happening. Not only was it affecting their unity within the church, but it also was doing this. And this is of a serious concern. It was also affecting their testimony in the community around them. And that ought to be concerning for us to make sure that we have the right kind of testimony in the community. But if we're going to have the right kind of testimony in the community, then we've got to be right within our church assembly. Had to get a, um, a battery for uh, not this watch, but a different watch. So I went to uh, just one that's kind of close by. It's a clock repair shop. You ever been in one? It's kind of, it's kind of, man, it took me back to when I was a, a, a kid and hearing my grandparents, you know, mantle clock. And if I, if I did the, if I did the sound right now, every one of you could probably finish it, you know, but, but here's what it was when I walked in there because it's a repair shop. A lot of them are off. And they're going off all at different times. And I'm telling you, it drove me bonkers for a little while. You know, because they were not all striking. I was there about, oh, I don't know, right around noon, I guess it was. But one of them was at 11 o'clock and another was at 9 o'clock. And another was at, you know, quarter after. And another was at 30 after. Because they hadn't been worked on. They were just all in disarray. <laughs> I'm afraid sometimes that's how churches can be. Is everybody's just on their own time. Everybody's doing their own thing. 
and there's murmuring and complaining about it. Now, can these verses apply to life at work or life at the family? Absolutely. But what I'd like to do tonight is just keep it right there in its context to say, why did Paul say, do all things without murmuring and disputings? And I'm looking at the verses differently than I ever have because you just read it in its context and it's different. Well, it's biblical. That'll help. Okay. Let's take a closer look here. And, and basically just want to answer this question. How could then the church in Philippi get back to a place or return to a place where they had cheerfulness amongst the members, where there wasn't disputing, where, where there wasn't um, grumbling and complaining? How could they get back to where it was cheerful? And maybe you're at a place, I, I think we all go through some seasons where maybe um, church is not as exciting and as exhilarating as maybe it used to be. Has anybody been through a few seasons like that? My hand's up. Sure. I'll say this about that. It's not God's fault. Amen. And it's not the Bible's fault. And it's not necessarily other people's fault. It's, a lot of times it just comes right back here to where I am. Um, and, and I believe God wants us to come into church not dreading a service. Now, let's, let's be honest. There are times when uh, God's dealing with some things in us and the text is bearing out our sin. And that's not, that's just not enjoyable, right? But needful. In fact, if we're going to have good harmony, if we're going to have good unity, then we're trying to tune ourselves according to God's holy standard, his word. And every now and then he's going to point out where we're off. You know, I understand now that there are these apps. Well, of course, Brother Aaron maybe uses one and Brother Kevin and different ones that, that it, uh, you know, either on your phone or on some tablet that it actually registers what notes you're singing. I thought about it this way, Brother Gail. What if we had somebody going around the church uh, on, during the song service <laughs> with that app and, and, it's, and it registering? Oh, he's off. Yeah. <laughs> right here, big time off. <laughs> How would that be? You know, you'd kind of get... You probably wouldn't sing as loud. Oh, he, he's off. Brother Tom's off. <laughs> right? uh, would you sing loud or would you kind of like, uh, I'm not singing out. Right here, he's off. Come, have the ushers come. <laughs> right? <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, that would be a little bit intimidating, right? If somebody walked around and we congregation this side, we had several people walking around registering what note you're singing at what time. You know, every service, the Holy Spirit of God uses his word going pew by pew, seat by seat, person by person. And along the way, he says, um, hey, you're off here in your attitude. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this way too much. <laughs> you're, <laughs> we were roommates, okay. You're, you're off on your attitude right here. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. Are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? Because the Holy Spirit of God does that. He can take his word and begin to apply it to every one of us, searching our hearts. And the reason he does that, the reason he does that is to bring us into close unity. And Paul says, listen, um, you're to be unified together and, and you're supposed to work out your salvation. In other words, what God has worked into you, when you've got something to work out with somebody else, then you've got to work out what God worked in. And if things are going to work out, then it's, I'll tell you this, if things are going to work out, okay, let's, let's just say that you have an issue with somebody or somebody's got an issue with you. How do you work that out? Well, the only way that it's going to work out, I'll, well, let me tell you this, the way it's not going to work out is if you apply more flesh to that. 
If you apply carnality to that, then that's where the problem begins or that's how the problem is prolonged. But if we would just be in harmony with God and, and take what he's supplied to us, following the example of Jesus Christ, who was humble, who was compassionate, who didn't waver on sin, who, uh, who was sacrificial in the way that he went about it. I'm thinking about through verses five through 11. If we take that as a model and we apply it to the situation where you have a point of contention with somebody else, listen, you will be well on your way to having that resolved. And here's the, also the, the thing to keep in mind. God does not expect us to do that in our own power. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You see, God wants to help you work it out with that person. And he gives you the will, he gives you the desire because probably if somebody has offended you, there's somebody that you, you just don't even want. Am I right about this? It might get real quiet right here. There's somebody that maybe you don't even want to cross paths with them because of what they said or what they did. You have zero desire to really try to reach out. Well, if you live in the flesh, it'll stay that way. But it is God that works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. He'll give you the desire, even the compassion towards that person that has hurt you. I pray, I pray God helps us to be the type of church where we are really close. Yeah. It's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure and so then, then that's why he then says, cooperate with God. That's verse 13. Cooperate with God. If I could summarize just verse 12 and verse 13, just in a short little summary statement, it would simply be that. Cooperate with God. Let God work in you. Remember what Warren Wiersbe said, the Christian life is not a, a series of ups and downs. It's rather a, a series of ins and outs. God works in us that he might work out, okay? And so uh, he's saying here, cooperate with God because if you'll cooperate with God, then you'll be in a place to cooperate with one another. That's how it is. And so he leaves that verse, it is God that worketh in you both the willing to do of his good pleasure. And he goes on to say, do all things without murmurs and disputings. Okay. Now the word all things actually in the Greek sentence is the very first thing that he says. Word order in Greek is different than in English. I'm sure that you would know that or understand that if you've studied another language. And Greek has a lot of flexibility to it. So he's saying this, all things, all things, beloved, do without murmurings. Uh, it's almost a, it basically is just the Greek word brought in because it sounds like what you're doing, murmur, murmur. whispering, I don't like that. That's not a good idea. That's dumb. <laughs> Did you hear me? Some of you didn't hear me. I'm murmuring. I'm grumbling. I'm complaining. Sounds a lot like Israel. 
who grumbled when they didn't have food, who grumbled when they didn't have water, who grumbled when Moses didn't come back down from the mountain like they thought he should at a certain amount of time like they thought he should, who grumbled about Aaron, who grumbled about, uh, you know, uh, the hardness of the way, who grumbled about the giants that were in the land, who grumbled. In fact, God killed more people for grumbling and complaining than any other sin in the Bible. So, be careful. <laughs> yeah, but I don't like it. <laughs> you better be careful. But in the context, in the context, I, in fact, this word is used a lot of different places and how the, the people spoke about Jesus in some of his parables. One parable in particular, the people grumbled or complained because they didn't get what they thought they ought to have been paid. You know, they, they agreed to that amount, but then when they got paid that amount, they said, well, we ought to get paid more than what he did because we work longer than he has. Same word, they were grumbling, they're complaining. Are you hearing it? But in the context, it's church life. And evidently, in some context, there was some grumbling, some rumbling that was going on. So where, where would that take place in a church? Well, it could be church service. Could be fellowship time, activity time. I don't know what the early church did. I do know this. They broke bread together. They had fellowship time. Um, and then they did evangelism. They worked together in the ministry. So somewhere, somebody kind of got sideways with somebody else. And they said, I don't like how things are being done around here. And kind of backbiting, bad mouthing. Well, here's the deal. You kind of expect that at the workplace where somebody's talking bad about the management or bad about the decision that's made or bad about. And by the way, in fact, the word is used in Acts chapter number six and verse number one, how the Grecian woman, women grumbled or complained or murmured. I'm sorry, there's the word murmured against the Hebrew women because they, the Grecian women, they were neglected. The widows were neglected, whereas the Hebrew women evidently were shown some type of favoritism, at least in their mind, they felt like nobody was caring about me. And so they grumbled, complained about it. And the leadership did something about it. Somebody called it this, I think it was Adrian Rogers, I was listening to it and he was quoting somebody else, but he said this, church mathematics work this way. When a church experiences multiplication and addition, get ready for subtraction and division. Everybody catch that? When a church experiences addition and multiplication, in other words, when the church is growing, just get ready. It's just a matter of time until somebody says, I'm out of here. I don't like this. I want to go somewhere else. This is too busy. There's, this is not a friendly church. Nobody called me. Nobody wrote me. Have you wrote anybody? Have you called anybody? Well, no, but nobody called me. See how this works? Now, there's legitimate problems. I don't want to overlook or gloss over the fact that there's legitimate problems that we need to deal with. I mean, that's life. Okay. And by the way, um, as a pastor, or as a leader, um, God told us as leaders not to be like a Lord over God's heritage, but to be an example to the flock or in sample to the flock, which means I ought to be approachable and, and not, like, uh, not like unavailable or, or people afraid to talk to the pastor about anything if there is a problem. No, that, I don't think that's how it ought to be because if a leader, are we doing all right? Is this making sense? If a leader... Um, gets upset because somebody questions his authority, that's an insecure leader. And we ought to be secure enough in who we are in Christ that if somebody has a legitimate issue, then we ought to be able to just talk that thing out. Okay? But we can get bent out of shape because somebody's questioning me. All right, let's blackball them. 
put them on the no-call list, deal, get them out of church. I'm telling you, it happens. Sadly, it happens. And it happens in Baptist churches. Yeah. But there's murmuring. If it was me, I wouldn't have done it that way. I wouldn't have hired him. <laughs> Can you believe that they gave him, they gave him the solo part on that choir special? They gave it to him. He sings like Barney Five. <laughs> Lower, <laughs> right? Lower. <laughs> murmuring, 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 murmuring. I'm telling you, it creates a wrong spirit in the church, doesn't it? And then what happens is that disgruntled Christian Here's what I found, and I don't even know if this is a word. I've got it in my notes, and I didn't even take time. I know it's not a word. I'm just me being silly with the English language. Complaining people, they find other complaining people. You ever notice that? Com <laughs> That's probably not a word, right? You say, I don't like that word. Well, don't complain about it. It's just, I'm just saying, people who complain, complainers. Complainers find complainers. There we go. But complaining people, you know what I mean? Just complaining people. They find other complaining people. Somebody that'll hear their cause. For a while, it was just them hearing their own cause, but that's really the only voice they needed to hear. But they're complaining about this or murmuring about this, and, and that just creates a wrong atmosphere. And that, that could be true of a leader, that could be true of a member, that could be true of anybody. We, we just don't need that kind of spirit. Now, do we want to correct problems? Do we want to try to make progress? Absolutely, yes, indeed. It's not like we're perfect or we're arrived. No, by no means. We need to keep going, but we don't need the little chattering going on, whether it's online or in the foyer or in the nursery, or on the bus, or in the classroom, or in the auditorium. We just, we just won't be a healthy church if we're a murmuring, complaining, grumbling, rumbling church. Because then that'll go to the next level. Really, I think that's probably how, why they're in this order, that we're not supposed to murmur. He says, do all things. Everything you do as a church, when you sing, don't murmur about it. When you preach, don't murmur about it. When he goes long, don't murmur about it. When he preaches short, run, don't murmur about it. Not that that ever happens. But, but when, when this is done or that is done, do all things. Whatever goes into a church service, then do all things without murmurings and disputings. And don't murmur and complain about the activities. And don't murmur and complain about this and that. Just be unified in the church. It doesn't mean everybody's on the same page about it, but we ought to be unified about it. Because otherwise it could go to the next one and that would be disputings. Did you notice that both of these words are plural? Murmurings and disputings. Plural. Because one argument will lead to another argument, to another argument, to another argument with this person and that person and this person and that person. Next thing you know, man, you've got a church split going on. But it started in that murmuring some rumblings here and there. People kind of getting together saying, I don't like that. And then it goes to an argument between somebody that does like that, but you don't like that. And then they bring this people in, this person, and then this person. And then it goes online and then it gets posted. And then the lost world is scratching their head thinking, I understand why that happens in the break room at work because lost people act that way. But to hear that that church is going through that, and they're supposed to be blameless, harmless sons of God without rebuke, among whom they shine as a light in the world. This doesn't make sense. 
And that's why it's so important for us that with the help of the Holy Spirit of God, God working in us, both the will and the doing of his good pleasure, that we would not be given to grumbling and complaining and disputings and fighting and controversy and argument, having an argumentative spirit or any of those things, but that we'd be unified in Christ because we are the sons of God. We are children of God. That's what he's saying. And we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we got to love each other equally. You say, well, I didn't get along well with my physical brother or my physical sister. Don't mess up the illustration. He's talking about a good family where there was unity that was there and, and we're under the father, uh, under the father and under his leadership. And, and so everybody here is equally important to God. It's not like there's one person that's more important or one family is more important it, or one ministry or one aspect or one class or one bus, et cetera, et cetera. No, hey, wait a minute. Everybody here has equal significance. And there ought not be this divisive, striving spirit for positions because we're to be here to be blameless, which means above reproach, and harmless, that means not mixed with the world's ideas, and to be the sons of God without rebuke, without fault. In other words, there ought to be something different about us. When people walk in here, they say, man, there's like real strong love here. This is encouraging, and people are cheerful. Cheerful. And they walk pass the offering plate and give their tithe or their missions and they're not grumbling about it. It's not like I have to, but this is a real blessing to be able to do that. Cheerful givers, cheerful singers, cheerful preachers, cheerful listeners, cheerful church, cheerful soul winners, cheerful, <laughs> it's kind of hard to say, cheerful nursery workers and, and, and greeters. Well, my goodness, we need cheerful greeters. But it's cheerfulness throughout the whole congregation. How about this? Cheerful teenagers, young people, cheerful Bible college students. Yeah. Living in a dorm about the size of your laundry room at times, you might feel. I don't know. Still cheerful about it. Not grumbling, not complaining, not fighting, not not positioning, oh, but just cheerful. Just why, why would you be cheerful? Maybe our, do, do your circumstances have to be great for you not to, to, I mean, to be cheerful? Well, Paul's weren't. I wonder what he had to eat that day. I wonder if he ate that day. I wonder if he ate that week. We have nothing to complain about, dear friends. We really have nothing to complain about. It's not legitimate because we're supposed to be a testimony. And Paul says, if you do this, I'm telling you, it's going to be a joy to my heart because then I know I haven't run this race in vain and I haven't worked so hard in vain, but I'm seeing the fruit of this and you'll be prepared to stand before Christ someday and you'll be a light in the midst of the darkness because this world is on a, is on a, on a downhill slide and, and really and truly in our society, I mean, we are just going to greater and greater and greater depths of depravity as a nation and, and it's crooked. In other words, it's, it's, it's off, it's twisted and they're thinking and, and, and it's perverted and it's wrong and it's, it's um, hateful and it's malicious. May God help us to where people can come in here and say, there's love here. And genuine care and concern. And light must do what light alone can do and that's dispel darkness. Spell darkness.
I think a few weeks ago I told you about our light on and off. About the time that I, I would think to contact OG&E about it, it was working. I thought, well, I don't want to make them come out here for no reason. And then the next day, it's off. <laughs> and so I go to call and then it's back on again. On again, off again. On again, off again. Well, I went ahead and called them. And you know, they came right out and fixed it. And I'm telling you that that light is beautiful. Y'all come by tonight and see it. It's awesome. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Here's what it is. On. The whole time. And it's bright. And it provides safety. And it's driving the darkness back. You follow me? Here's, here's what I'm concerned. Our Christian lives can be the same way. On and off. I love that person for a while and then I'm off. Nope, nope, I'm off because now I'm back on. I mean, that could be your spouse, right? Or your kids. Or your friendships. Um, I don't like church. I like church. <laughs> I don't like church. I like church needs to be cheerful cooperation, cheerful cooperation, cheerful working together. How do you get that? Again, we cannot bypass verse 12 and 13 and have verse 14 through 18. You just can't because it's got to be God working in you and he's going to do his part. But here's the big part. We have got to cooperate with God who works in us to will and do of his good pleasure. And if we'll do that, then we'll cooperate with one another as a really tight, unified church family. Let's stand together. First of all, dear God, I'd like to thank you for empowering us to do what you expect of us. Not one of us would be unified here we wouldn't have a cause of unity, but we know just like was said that if we'll unify around the same standard, then we'll be unified or we'll be rather in tune with one another. And so dear God, only you can really search every heart that's here. Lord, I thank you for your word. It's so practical, it's so relevant to where we live. If there are is any grumbling or murmuring or any arguments disputing between family members or between church members or between friends, then God, would you help us to cooperate with you that we might cooperate cheerfully, cheerfully cooperate with one another. And uh, God, I pray for unity among this church family, especially given the day and age in which we live and the extra challenges that have come our way and should our Savior Terry is coming that will come. So bring us even closer together. I pray for new friendships to be formed, for people to get to know one another even more. I pray for reconciliation to take place where it needs to. I pray there'd be a good working relationship in the ministries of the church, that God, we would just work together Strive together, even as you said here in Philippians. In Jesus' precious holy name, we know he certainly is worthy of this type of a church. In Jesus' name, amen. We're singing uh, page 451.